Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. As usual, my name is Rohan and I'm joined with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. And today we have our special guest, Erwin. Hey, Erwin, how's it going? Hey, guys, how are you doing? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Erwin, uh, where in the world are you? I'm located in Belgium, in fact, um, and not too far away from Brussels and not too far away from Antwerp, but, you know, Belgium is not that that, that big, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, and and obviously, you're a home assistant user. Um, what uh, what kind of got you into it? First of all, thanks for the invitation. Also, because um, I, I'm following the podcast already for a year. Um, I've noticed that nice. you uh, <laughs> appreciate it. That the uh, the guests are always um, heavy users of, of of home assistant, and I'm, I must say I'm a newbie because I'm only using it for two years. Yeah. <laughs> so, but very much appreciated for uh, the invitation. So, in fact, my journey started, um, let's say, three years ago. And the trigger was that I was building a new house from scratch. So, mm-hmm. and I decided to do the electricity work myself. Um, and the first thing was to select a home automation system. So, I'm not talking about home assistant, but the home automation yeah. itself. And um, I did an evaluation between the, uh, well, at that time, what, what was available on the market. So um, things like Nico Home Control, uh, KNX, Loxono, and Velbus. And so I did an extensive evaluation of that. And I um, decided to go on with uh, with Velbus okay. for a couple of reasons. It, it's also Belgian, by the way, but that was not, the reason, because and, and I found it out later out later on. So the reason was that it is a distributed system. So if you have um, a broken driller, it doesn't shut mm-hmm. down your complete house. Uh, you're not out of lightning. And and the second reason is that it is based on Canvas, which is a protocol okay. that is used in the automotive industry, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very robust mm-hmm. in that environment. So my reasoning was, well, then it must be robust in my house, right? Yeah. Um, so I went with that and with the associated products. So, and then, um, then finally, well, after one year when everything was ready, I had to decide between using OpenHub, which I, which I saw in operation yeah. from a friend. But then I came across um, Home Assistant at that time, two years ago. And well, Home Assistant has a bigger community. It, it's written in Python, yeah. and, and I know Python quite well, so I don't know yeah. Java. So, uh, and, and then quickly the decision was made to, to go forward with Home Assistant. And, but I, I did regret for, for a moment, I must say. So it's, it's, it's a very good product, I must say. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the, the reason that you regretted it? Like, did you not... Like, would you did you have like in that initial switch over? You like, oh, I should have gone Open Hub over Home Assistant, or was there something else that you would wish you would move to first before? No, no. I well, I say I said I didn't regret it. Huh? So, uh, oh, you didn't regret it. No, no, sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> oh, good. I was like, oh, oh, that's interesting. We've regretted how I missed it. No, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, I'm not a native <laughs> English speaker. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. All good. Yeah. All good. No need to apologize. Yeah. So, no, no. Uh, it's, it's an excellent product. Eh? So, I didn't regret it for a moment, right? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess you. Were, so this is your your house. You just. I love it in Europe. You know, ah, oh, similar to what, like, you know, I see all the time in North America. Ah, oh, we need to do some electricity work. We'll just do it ourselves. Whereas, down under here, you know, I've got to go out and get a pay for a professional to touch any wiring. So it gets a bit cost prohibitive. But um, it's also interesting that you mentioned Velbus. I mm-hmm. haven't heard of Velbus before. I can see there is a, a home order, a home assistant integration. So obviously there's people using it. But it's interesting to see that, you know, uh, in Europe, there's, you think like how connected the world is right now. You know, we've got Zigbee, Z-Wave um, that seem to be, you know, global and then, I'm just I'm assuming here Velbus is maybe concentrated more in just Europe. Um, I'm guessing there's also you know different protocols around the world as well. So is Velbus still used in your house today? Yes, 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 yes. So yeah. it's it's operating without any glitch eh, on it on its own. Um, yep. So it it is also um, redundant. So the power supply. So if it one breaks, the other takes over. So mm-hmm. it it's, does its job in an excellent way. And uh, also the integration which to, towards Home Assistant is is quite good. So in the beginning, I had a little bit of problems with some of my uh, relays. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the very first version, I had to, to, to patch it uh, to, to make it work. But then the guy who maintains the... Um, a GitHub library. He fixed that for me, and I think now it's taken over by someone else. Um, but it's very, very stable. That's good. Yeah. So I was just, I was just looking at some of their uh, products on their website and stuff because, as Phil mentioned, I'm kind of not familiar with with Velvus either. It looks like these guys are more like I, I know. I know you mentioned they they work more in the automotive, uh, or they more work closer with automotive protocols, right? But. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like they have a lot of like DIN rail based stuff and things like that. What uh, what what from Velvus are you using, Erwin? I'm using um, the uh, glass control uh, devices. So these mm-hmm. things you put against your wall, right? So okay. and they communicate over this um, green cable EIB. It's called, I believe, um, right. to the um, to the DIN rail uh, devices. Right, so it's a big bus, and and you can loop it. Huh? So, if if one side of the bus gets uh, disconnected, it still operates the other way around. Yeah, huh? yeah. Um, I'm using the RLS for um, the lightning, so all my lightning is going to a, two central places, in fact. Right. And also my blinds uh, or screens, they are uh, connected to this uh, Telbus system. And then um, from the Velbus itself, there is an RS232 module, which is plugged in directly into my um, Raspberry Pi, right? Right. So, and therefore, via the integration, it goes serial to uh, to Velbus. And uh, as soon as you start up the integration, you see all the entities appearing in, in Home Assistant. And, and, of course, you can make use of them in... in um, in, mm-hmm. in the various automations mm-hmm. or love layers or whatever, huh? and then, so it's, it's interesting. It's, yeah, sounds like it's a like a high end, 
uh, like a high-end automation system, you know, that it's, it's, you would see yeah. on the expensive houses. I think Rahan is another, um, what I'm thinking of, like Control 4. Am I thinking the right brand there? There's another one that eludes me um, yeah. as well. Um, well, it's, I, I think, that, I mean, this actually sounds a lot more industrial, right? Especially yeah. especially when it's wired through and, and it's on DIN rails and stuff like that. So it's, uh, which, which I think is actually kind of cool. Um, and, and, and are these things like super expensive, Erwin? Relative to, you know, something else like, a, I mean, anything s- smart is already super expensive, but, mm-hmm. you know, is it is it a premium on top of that? It is, well, it is quite expensive. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think I paid around seven to eight thousand euros to for the complete system. But that's for that was for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all the RLS, all the blind controls, all the um, uh, the glass control things, and completely yeah. in my house. Um, so it's quite expensive, but as you say, it's it's more industrial. So um, it it operates yeah. very very stable. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I guess it's not wireless, so you don't have to worry about. No, it's not wireless. So yeah, I just had to put this green cable in my house. Yeah, as as a bus cable through the house, and that's it. Yeah. So um, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Which is which? I mean, if you're building it from the ground up, then that's not a huge issue, typically. No, it's right? not an issue. If if yeah. it would have been an existing house, it's a completely different story, of course. And you cannot do the breaking in in an existing house. But since mm-hmm. I was building up yeah. from the ground, okay, yeah. I had that freedom, that. right? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so you started out with, uh, so you've got your, your house, you've put your green cable everywhere, you've started out with Home Assistant. What are you using to drive Home Assistant? I know uh, one of the contentious topics we always talk about is, you know, are you using Node Red, are you using the YAML? Like, is there something that you've just stuck with? Or you, maybe you prefer um, you know, one of the various automation engines around it. Is there something that you've sort of gelled with better in your system? I'm a heavily user of Node-RED, so um, because it's very intuitive, right? Mm-hmm. And and you can see all the automations in in a visible way. So actually, to be honest, I I tried immediately Node-RED and I liked it, so I didn't try the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, listen, if if it if it works for you, then then that's perfect, that's right? Yeah. For, but for me, it works. It works fine. That's good. Yep. And. So you've got your all your um, physical switches and your blinds all that control physically. Have you gone to any other sort of uh, wire, like smart speakers around the home to integrate with that via Home Assistant? So using like an Amazon Echo, Google Home, or even HomeKit. I don't use voice control for the moment. That is still on okay. my list uh, mm-hmm. to do, but yeah, it's that that takes a little bit time. So um, I'm integrating with um, the Philips Hue um, okay. for, um, so this is, um, I'm using this for motion detectors in my house, um, yep. first of all, and also for the um, um, power switches, uh, how mm-hmm. is it called, um, is it a power switch? Like the like a light switch kind of thing? No, like or you, for... You, Put it. Uh, it's an electrical switch, eh? so on and off. Right, mm-hmm. uh, like a like a smart outlet. A power plug. That I was looking for that. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm using that as a power plug uh, here and there to um, mostly to save energy. Mm-hmm. 
So, for instance, um, my son, he has an, an, a PlayStation 5, he has a PC, he has two monitors, he has a Chromecast a TV on this, on this uh, room, right? Yep. So, even if that all these things run idle, it consumes quite some energy. And energy is expensive, mm. huh? you know? So, um, yeah. I, I've put this power plug between all his devices and, and, and the power wall, right? And um, around midnight, I switch off everything until the next morning, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. Not sure anymore. Interesting. Yep. And then I, um, it's plugged on again. I mean, it gets power again. Well, if he wants to, to wake up uh, for at night in the clo- uh, in the morning and he wants to, to do gaming, he yeah. knows the button on, on Home Assistant and he <laughs> can activate again. <laughs> it's interesting. That's so funny. you're basically you're saving a lot of uh, like the passive standby power Indeed. that devices Indeed. consume. Yep. Um, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. So, And I have a, a second one on my TV and my Google TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And on my amplifier, so they also break. Um, mm-hmm. And the third one, I'm using. Um, so I have, a, I have a swimming pond. I think you call okay. it like that. Uh, so and also there, I have two pumps. So for water circulation. Yeah. So one of the pumps. Um, so is is not running at night because I have solar panels on okay. uh, right. on, on top of my roof. And during the day, I have a lot of electricity, right? So, yeah. and they almost give you nothing for injection, but you have to pay very, very, uh, you have to pay for if you consume energy from the grid. Mm. Um, so at night, it is a pump and that is running at uh, a low percentage, 20 or 30 watts. And then during the day, both pumps are activated or the other pump is reactivated in the morning. Yeah. And it at the evening, uh, it's it's again stopped. So, which saves me a bit on my bill. And during the day, I have a lot of filtering. And and indeed, the plants who are responsible for filtering the water, they are mostly active in the day, uh, not at night. So at the night, right. and, and also in wintertime, I can run down the uh, the pump and the circulation of water. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I know energy has been a big... Uh, focus for home assistant recently yeah and you mentioned but you touched on before you know like you're using you know know, shutting off all those devices overnight you know the ps5 and the computer monitors that were just sitting there standing by have you managed to measure how much those idle devices were costing you in order like was there a reason go oh they're just wasting power i can see you know they're costing me x amount of dollars were you able to measure that or is this just something you've done proactively to try and save some money on the devices just consuming power while they're off? No, no, I did the uh, <laughs> return on, on investment calculation. Huh? So okay. and um, so that power plug was paid back in, 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 in about a year. Wow, okay. So, just by uh, saving passive power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is awesome. Wow. And that was at when still when the energy was cheap. Huh? So now with the yeah. uh, Ukraine crisis, uh, mm-hmm. the electricity in Belgium uh, doubled, right? Electricity yep. price doubled. Wow! So yeah. Wow, that's yeah. Well, that well, that's good. And have you? Because you you said you before you got uh, solar panels. Have you integrated your whole house energy using the new energy dashboard so that you can see how much you're consuming and and how much you're generating from solar? 
Yeah, that that is one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and and yeah, the the problem is, um, so I have solar panels, and in in Belgium, so for um, the principle is that you take from the grid and you pay, you inject, uh, and you get yep. a little bit of money. So it's it's in our own interest that you consume energy when you have solar energy, right? Mm. Yeah. So the big problem was to to discuss with my wife when to put on the washing machine because she said, yeah, how can I know? And I said, yeah, I will make something that you can measure it, right? This was before the energy panel was there. So I made an integration. I'm using myself, so it's on GitHub, but I'm basically using myself. That is measuring the um, smart meter, that, that take the measurements from the smart metering and also takes the input from the solar panel. It uh, dumps into a de- it dumps it into a database, so I can consult mm-hmm. it later on. And I'm in fact calculating each five minutes the what I call the balance. So the balance is the difference between what I inject in the grid and what I take back, right? Right. So if this balance is positive, you can start consuming energy, right? And I let my wife know a couple of ballpark figures. So let's say the the washing machine takes a two k watt, and and that device take that amount of 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 energy, etc. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, I will make it available on Home Assistant this balance because it's visible as an entity. So I just use a REST inter- REST API interface to to what I what I wrote. And and she can look to it, and if there is enough energy, she put, she puts on the washing machine, right? Just at That's the right moment. You're basically getting like mm-hmm. yeah, like a free washing cycle. And you get a free you're... washing cycle, almost. Yeah. And not in winter time, but uh, starting from from, sure. from March, mm. uh, you have enough energy to to, to feed the washing machine, and the same goes for the dishing machine, etc. Mm. And um, I made one extra. Um, automation for my waterbed so um, my wa- my waterbed consumes a lot of energy right because you need to keep mm-hmm. it at a certain temperature uh, 25 26 degrees minimum right so in summertime and don't do this in winter time but in summertime let's say from march to end of october i have an automation running that if the um, balance is more than 500 watts I put on my waterbed, right? Because then there is enough energy to feed, to heat up my waterbed. And in the evening when the um, uh, when the sun is gone, it simply switch off my waterbed. And it can continue for 24 hours without any problem. So the, the energy consumption for the waterbed is mainly done during the day when there is energy and not at night. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And that saves me a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say at night your your body will also kind of help regulate that temperature too. Indeed. Right? So. Indeed. That's the other thing. So at night you well yourself you mm-hmm. we produce about one hundred watts. So that helps a little bit indeed. Yeah, yeah. So you don't feel that. Not at all. But you feel it in the build. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm sure. I'm sure. So how much do you think that or not how much but do you think that your automations have saved you enough money in energy to justify the time that you've put in to creating these automations? Or do you think you're saving your house is that much smarter at saving you a lot more money now? 
Well, to be honest, it I was doing this for fun, eh? so um, not directly for the money, but mm. uh, well, okay, yeah. you you save easily. Um, if I make the calculation, around it's around one hundred euros per year, easily save. Of course, and for something that you're doing for fun is always a bonus, right? It, it's doing for fun, and I'm also in in favor of sustainability. So I like to do something back for the environment yeah. too. Mm. It, it's a bit, it's a, it's it's our duty, right, to do something back yeah, for uh, sure for that. Because I think you know something that is sort of overlooked in the smart home world is the passive power that smart home devices generally take. So yeah. I know, for example, um, before when I was renting a house, I would have Zigbee bulbs on twenty four hours a day with their radios on, right? The light bulb's not on, but the radios are physically on. Um, same thing, you know, with motion sensors around my home, um, constantly being on 24 hours a day. But the fact that you were able to measure um, just before how much money you were able to save and and recoup the cost Mm -hmm. of those power plugs, you know, just by saving that passive power that or the phantom energy that's being drawn every night. I think if the smart home world could focus more on that, uh, it would definitely offset a lot of the extra power we're using just having smart devices everywhere. Yeah, right. Indeed. Well, and I think I think even those smart devices aren't super hungry relative to like like Erwin was you were saying like, mm. like your amplifier or or something like that, right? Which That's which typically would use a little more. But yeah, it's always on standby, but nevertheless, and it's mm. only a couple of watts. But if you run, if you calculate for a couple of watts during a year, it's a lot of watts. You know, so, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have? Do you generate enough? energy from your solar panels to justify a battery or have you already got a, a battery to store some of the energy, the excess energy that you've got? And... I don't have it for the moment. Um, well, I'm still recording the data, right? That That's why I'm recording yeah. the data in, in, mm. in the database. Um, so I have to make the calculations. It's, it's too early for that. I like that you're going to the level of recording the data first and then, you know, calculating it. I feel as though, from my perspective, I would, oh yeah, I need that. That will, I'll, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't go to the level of what's, what am I physically going to say? I just go, yep, looks like a good idea. I'll do it, right? But you've actually gone, no, no, I'm going to take yeah. the data down and work out how much I'm going to save and then justify it that way, which I think is fantastic. And you're doing it all in home assistant as well, which is even better. Indeed, and that um, yeah. that application I wrote, I also use it to feed the energy dashboard. Mm, right. Interesting. Yeah, because, um, well, the, the my meter is connected to that and it cannot be connected to a third-party integration at the same time and, mm-hmm. and, and my application. So, But that's fine. That that works perfect. So um, it was not that difficult to write an integration. I can see here from the original email you sent us, you've actually written a few things and we're going to put uh, links to all these in the show notes as well because it's yeah. some fast, fantastic things. Um, but I do want to touch on um, uh, one that you've got here, which is uh, the video analytics system, um, mm-hmm. which you call Concierge. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, sure, I, I can. So this this started a bit as um, well in, in in my previous job. So I worked for um, I'm still working for for Nokia, by the way. Mm-hmm. So at the time, six years ago, we were we were creating IPTV systems. Um, and um, I got a bit my experience from that project. 
where I had to, to write here and there an application, a web application uh, in, in the video space. And then um, in 2020, Corona, Corona came by and um, there was a little bit time to experiment. So yeah, I started, um, first of all, I started buying some cameras um, and, and I just selected Home Assistant. So uh, to be honest, the camera selection was also based a bit on what the community of Home Assistant reported to me, right? Sure. And um, I concluded that the real link was a good choice uh, to integrate with Home Assistant. Mm. So I made that selection. And um, then um, I wanted to have a, a, a network recording on top of that uh, because there is an SD card inside my camera. But I like to have things double. I mean, clips double. So right. I used um, a Raspberry Pi 4 to do the, to do the recording um, um, based on motion. So not all the time. So when there is motion around my house, um, it does the recording. And then I said, yeah, why not extend it with uh, detecting persons around the house and making my uh, alarm system, I didn't have one at the time, to, to make it a bit richer. Interesting. So then I start looking at... At the time, I, well, nowadays we have several uh, of these things uh, that you can use, um, like deep, deep stack, like Dudes, uh, like Fragit. They're mm. all available. And um, yeah. I just compared them already with, with what I have. Um, and But I have some, I will come back to that. I have some reasons not to switch to the other one. So I started then a microservice development because I was experimenting with Docker, etc. So mm-hmm. let me experiment with that. Then I came across a library, which is called YOLO. You only look look, look once. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Which is, um, well, it's available on, on the GitHub, so you can download it. And actually that does the job of detecting objects um, in, in images. So then I went a step further. So, and I made a bit my own uh, video management system by writing a small applications to configure automatically my cameras. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as the recording is there, then the analysis, analysis of the images starts, right? Looking for persons. So, and if a person is found, it is put in a kind of list. Huh? Um, of images, which you can consult. And then I also REST API if a person is detected or if an object in general is detected, depending on what you want to detect. Right. And in fact, I must say that works pretty well because um, the thing is, how how do you test this? So that's not that easy because um, that's a story about the false positives and the false negatives, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So actually, I tested this when I was on vacation, right? So I put this in operation and I made a small uh, automation. If someone is detected around my house, because my family or nor I was was over there, send me or push me a notification on my phone via push bullet, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I knew that someone was coming around a couple of days so I abused a bit the fact that he was coming around to check yeah. that I was only notified when this person was coming around and that I was not notified otherwise, right? 
unless someone's break someone was breaking in, you know. Yeah. And well, I didn't get any false alarm, so I must say this YOLO library that works fine, right? So it does really mm-hmm. a job. So then I was wondering, can I switch to one of the um, other platforms because I'm with my concierge, I'm I'm alone huh, for the moment. Yeah. So I was wondering, why not switch to Fredit or Dude, right? Yeah, the way you don't have to maintain your code, someone indeed, else is maintaining indeed, someone it. someone else maintaining yeah. it, maybe I can contribute yeah. to that because I have some experience, right? Yeah. But for Fredit and Dude, this approach I don't like because in that case, you have to analyze the images all the time. And that's not what I want to do. It, it feels a, li- a little bit like having a dog, right, to warn you if someone is around the house. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you're you're sitting next to the dog and you're looking also, is someone not there? So I don't mm-hmm. like this approach. So I like the approach I have now. I have a dog. Only when he barks, I start analyzing. Otherwise, I don't look, right? So fridge and dudes is for me an overkill, right? I don't want to sacrifice silicon or energy on that processing yeah? all the time images. Yeah. Then... I'm left with DeepStack, right? So, which does the trick on demand. Yeah? So, based on motion. So, this is something yeah. what I have. But then with DeepStack, when I looked, you need dedicated hardware. So, and I didn't want to switch hardware. Yeah. So, for the moment, I have, I'm, I'm still using my own implementation, which is, which is not real time. It's nearly real time because there is a little bit of delay. It is not minutes, but you can speak about, um, uh, well, 30 to 40 minutes, uh, sorry, seconds, which is acceptable, I think, right? Um, It's not a problem for me. And also my system is adaptive. So if there is a lot of motion around my house, right, you get, you have to process a lot of images, then it's adaptive. It, It will skip some images so that the Raspberry Pi Four is not overloaded with the image processing. So you're running all this through a Raspberry Pi four. I'm running all this through Raspberry Pi four. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. and it, and it hasn't uh, like it's it's able to keep up. Obviously, like you said, it is adaptive and stuff. It's like adaptive. That, but yeah. it's, it's able to keep up. Yeah, it's uh, it's able to keep up with four cameras. Yeah. So I will install now a fifteen in my garden, but I yeah. think it will still keep up with 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 the pace wow. of. Um, Wow. Okay. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive, actually. And, and currently, um, I'm running an automation. Um, I'm working on it. So if I'm away, so and the fact that I'm, I'm away, I'm indicating in the alarm panel, right? I'm on vacation mm-hmm. or I'm away. So in that case, if a person is detected, um, I will switch on my um, my Google TV. I will switch on my amplifier. I will switch on my TV. So you get an image from a Google TV and I'm streaming effect the image of the person that is detected to my TV. Um, so then when someone is sneaking around my house, he sees his own image, right. which will scare him <laughs> off, hopefully, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was hoping when you were starting this, I was like, okay, he's going to turn the sprinklers on, he's going to lock them in the shed <laughs> yeah, or that's, something. Yeah, that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's funny. You got it's like a movie. You got those like automated guns coming down, just pointing yeah. it at people. 
So when you first emailed us uh, quite a while ago, you said that um, you were in the planning conception stage of an enhanced integrated alarm management. Is this the is this what it's come to? Like, is this what since we've since you've emailed us, is this what it is now? Is yes, that's exactly where you've gone. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly that. Yes, yeah. That's great. So if you have some some other ideas, please they are welcome. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like you can take the the irrigation system and the the garden shed, locking them in there. That's 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Smart lock and smart sprinklers. Put them together <laughs> with your cameras. So, are you using? Um, so, you're obviously using presence detection. I'm guessing you've got your phone as a, a beacon to say whether you're home or not. Are you using any like alarm control panel systems in home assistant? Yeah, so to, I'm, I'm like, using set the status. I'm using this. What is it? Is it a standard uh, alarm panel? So the think it's standard. Huh? For you, you can put in the configuration.yaml. That's what I'm using. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. With presence detection, I'm struggling to be honest, um, mm-hmm. and I don't have a good solution for that. So, well, let me rephrase that a bit. For putting the for putting off my alarm for disabling my alarm, it's fine. If I see one phone, I can disable it. But mm-hmm. I'm hesitating for enabling it because I'm still yes. using um, the old ping huh, to uh, mm-hmm. uh, ping the phone right. of myself, um, my my uh, my wife, and my son and daughter. But yeah, you have the problem of um, an iPhone with my my son, so that is not always pingable. Yep. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, well, hmm, she doesn't charge her. Uh, her, her phone, so <laughs> it, it's worthless. Huh? That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I'm actually going through like the exact same issue right now. Um, so I'm Android. Everything's easy for me, right? I can just my phone's on the Wi-Fi. I'm home. My yeah. wife, who has uh, an iPhone, uh, sometimes has her Wi-Fi off because I'm apparently always taking up too much internet and slowing things down. <laughs> so she just turns her Wi-Fi off. Or um, the iPhone, I think, randomizes its MAC address or whatever, and you just can't detect uh, which device is on the network. For whatever reason, it's hide yeah. yourself. Yeah, oh, does it? I the, didn't know. Okay. Yeah, there is a setting that you can disable somewhere in the settings, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I, I don't want to have to go through her phone and, and set those things up. So I am currently toying with Bayesian sensors um, for my wife, so trying to work out, you know, I've got a couple of tile Bluetooth trackers, um, you know, then work out some rules if the car's away, um, her wallet, the tile tracker in her wallet is also away, then there's a good Mm -hmm. probability that she's not home. Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to come up with rules that, you know, can get a a 99% accuracy, you know. Unfortunately, there's, uh, we've we've just installed a... um, a smart door lock on our front door so we don't have to carry keys around with us. But then that now has the negative effect of because we're not carrying keys with us, the t- trackers that are on our keys don't leave the house so the house will think we're home. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a whole bunch of rules that, yeah, I'm trying to figure out the best way um, for. I'm, I'm so in, I understand the struggle. Yeah, I'm interested in, in that solution if you, <laughs> if you find the ideal solution. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's, that, which is why Phil and I like talking about presence so much, right? Like it's, uh, it, it because it's hard, yep. right? Yep. Is is everybody's got you know their own little magic sauce that they do, and 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 it works for them. I don't, I don't think there is a perfect just yet. 
Unless, unless you have some kind of a GPS chip <laughs> implanted in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I, I think, you know, t- to that point, I think, you know, it's, it's everybody we've seen is some combination of like, you know, hey, I use the Home Assistant app with, you know, as well as, you know, tracking my car or tracking, you know, whatever, like a couple of different things, right? And some people use Bayesian sensors, some people don't, right? Like, um, I, I've gotten, I think for me personally, I've gotten to the point where I'm just using our, uh, so both of us have iPhone. So we're both just using the iOS, uh, home assistant app for integration and with it telling us, you know, are we home? Are we not? Whatever. Again, for me, that works really well, actually, uh, because both of us always have our phones on us. Um, but again, like you said, for somebody like your daughter who, who doesn't necessarily have, uh, her phone, phone charge, charge or something yeah. like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, then that's where, that's where it starts breaking down. Right. So, and, and if she doesn't drive, you're not going to, you know, put a tracker in, in the car or, or something like that. Right. Like, so, you know, or, or, or she might not have her own car. Right. So those are things you gotta, you gotta consider as well. Right. So I also, am currently toying that you mentioned um, before, you know, when to turn the alarm on is the tricky part as well. Uh, I think is also, yeah, I've, I've currently resorted to, I used to do it basically, you know, once uh, every, all the presence detectors were detected as not home, uh, activate, you know, set the home in away mode, it would turn everything off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, you know, with presence not being as reliable as I'd like at the moment, uh, and also being in a position where, you know, we may leave someone in the house while me and my wife step away, and then everything turning off while they're still in the house, it gets tricky. Um, I've currently set up a push notification to my phone that will just prompt me, you know, do you want to turn the alarm on it looks like no one's home um but yeah i think disabling it is easy turn you activating the alarm um to say that you've left the house can be a bit tricky and um, what do you use for this push notification uh just the home assistant app so i've got you know nebucasa as a okay. cloud uh, um yeah. yeah and then yeah there's a the, just a standard companion app and then it gives me a in the notification there's a yes turn on or no don't turn on the alarm right button that i can press yeah and if you want to go a little bit further if you are using home assistant as the like default alarm control panel um i found uh actually no someone was on the podcast was telling us about it um alarmo is a community Mm -hmm. add-on it's really cool it basically uh allows you to have zones in your home um you can set users you can set different pin codes that can arm and disarm the alarm panel from within Home Assistant. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of sensors that you can add in and it will then group those sensors together and give you more uh, rules around when an alarm is triggered. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with that, so I highly recommend that little add-on as well. Yep. I, I can always use these um, glass controls from Felbus to uh, to activate it. So it, it works in the other way around. So you can push the button on, on Felbus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that is injected as a signal in into um, or it's it's simply a sensor, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. based on that, I can also activate it. So. So you can have like a button near your front door, you know. So when you're leaving, just push the button. Yeah. It's just bam. it's my light switch. Yeah? It's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Right. Interesting. Right. Interesting. Can Can it even do like can Can the Velvet system uh, detect things like double taps or something like that? So yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. even if you have like a light switch that's at your doors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once off, one press once for, you know, turn off the light or press three times for like 
hey, like I'm leaving the house and, you know, shut everything down and run run your like goodbye routine kind of thing. And then also set the alarm on and, and do whatever. It, it can because it does that locally. Yeah? So I have that um, yeah. for um, one of my rooms where uh, I yeah. store things. Yeah? So um, if you tap once, it goes, the light goes on for five minutes. If you double tap, it will or tap long enough for, for a second or two. It will stay on for one hour. Yeah, right? right. So it can definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that might, that might, a lot of times going back to your basics is kind of the best thing, right? Like even like, Hey, the entire family is leaving the house. Great. Well, here's, you know, whatever, double tap, triple tap, whatever, right. Set the house to away. So it, the house knows that everybody is gone. And then based on that, you do whatever else until, until it detects one of you back for like a minute or something like Indeed. that. Right? Yeah. Yep. So that's interesting. So you mentioned before you've got uh, kids around the house as well. How how are they like? In, uh, how are they using the smart home? Have you got them? You know, telling them to do double taps on buttons and all that. And uh, how we've done anything custom that they've you know feature requests that they've said, hey, I wish the house could do this, and you've sort of built that out for them. Well, that that was um, one thing for um, the remote control for my amplifier. It it broke and and I cannot find a replacement. Yeah. <laughs> so they are, they are uh, forced to to use it to to put it on, right? Um, so that that is one thing, and the other thing is the um, go to sleep button. That's what they ask. Nice. Yeah. So you push the button, every light goes out, uh, the TV goes out, the amplifier shuts down. Um, and um, I, I activate the power plugs. I mean, I deactivate the power plugs, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So mm. other than that, no, not really. But my wife is using the energy panel. So even in the evening, she checks, did I do well, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, is, which is awesome. I mean, again, especially especially because you guys do make decisions based on that too, right? Should I run the wash right now? Should I wait a little bit? Should I... Yep you know, whatever that looks like. Right. So, Mm -hmm. which is, which is nice. And, and to your earlier point, it's, it's, it's always good to be conservative too. Right. Or, or from, from energy savings perspective and stuff. So, which is also like the um, energy dashboard can give you like real time price on how much you've spent as well. If you put in the cost of energy as a sensor in home assistant, the dashboard will just say, okay, you spent, you know, $3 today. Yep. And then yep. that way it becomes an actual yeah. financial goal as well. Yeah, true. Becomes really visible. You saved yeah. that yeah. amount of money uh, that day or that month. Correct. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And until until you realize, I don't I don't know how it is for you guys, uh, Erwin and and Phil. Like it's, but there's all of these like extra fees and stuff like that that you don't take into account too, right? On top of all of those standard fees, but. Yeah, like it, it is, it is, uh, it's definitely really useful. So I'm, I'm looking to getting into the energy monitoring thing and everything myself too, right? So it's, uh, it's nice to see, you know, successes from folks like yourself, Erwin. Yeah, there is one drawback in the energy panel that is the, um, I've noticed mm-hmm. because I had a problem with my Raspberry Pi 3. So, um, okay. I started the installation two years ago on, on the Raspberry Pi 3. And after, that many weeks, I found out that it blocked completely. But even the mm-hmm. device was not reachable anymore, so I could not do an SSH session to the device, so it was completely blocked. 
including the network. So that was really annoying. And I thought it was due to the installation I used at that time. It was some Docker-based installation I found on the internet, and I tried that, and it worked, etc. So I said to myself, well, let me switch to the... Uh, we have now backup, huh? and we can do restore. So let me reinstall it completely with the standard yeah. installation, yeah? Uh, the basic installation. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed, in fact, two things. So the first thing is that I still have the same problem, so it's still blocked for some reason. And the second problem is that the uh, data from the energy panel is not restored. Hmm. I'm not sure that is normal, and, but I, I thought that would have been restored, but it's not the case. Interesting. So, so you lost a lot uh, of... Yeah, I have still have my own database, right, where I log things, but it's annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you gaps. log these into like Grafana or anything like that, Erwin? Um, I used um, I use a combination of InfluxDB, which yeah. is a time series uh, database. And for a visualization, I use indeed Grafana to, to have a look at the yeah. data. But it really goes deeper because it's every five minutes or, or all the data of the solar panels, what I get is pumped into mm-hmm. that database. Also the forecasts. So I have also forecasting on solar. Yeah. Uh, so also this data is pumped into the database just to see after a while what correction I have to do because these are not that accurate. Right, but yeah. there is a uh, kind of uh, correction factor I can can do to make them more accurate. Interesting. Yeah. And then, and then, are you are you planning to do any kind of like uh, like modeling or anything like that to say like, hey, you know what? I think based on what you know, my typical typical uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Typical like usage, not usage, but collection is right for mm-hmm. from from har- like harvesting whatever you want to call it for for solar for solar. Based on that, you know, tomorrow's weather is going to be X, Y, Z, so it's going to look like this. Like, is there is there any? I think in the future I will, I can do that, um, but on the condition that all the devices in the house become much much smarter, yeah? mm-hmm. uh, and and can be. I mean, I cannot steer my washing machine. It's I don't think that's possible to do it remotely. Yeah. Same same for dishing machine, but um, yeah. But I'm thinking about the electrical car. So in that case, I can make it indeed more smart, right? And and yeah. based on there is tomorrow or the day after more solar energy. So I will not charge my electrical car because I can still yeah. drive for one or two days. I will postpone that. Mm. Yeah. So, yes. Raham, what you were just describing before, there is um, the forecast solar sensor in Home Assistant as well. Yeah. So if you activate that, that'll give you sort of like a, a rough estimate on how good solar production is expected to be over the next few days. Similar to like a weather sensor, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's another option too. Yep. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I'd, I'd love to have solar here, but I mean, looking outside right now, it looks really dull, so I don't think I'd get much results. So I don't know, maybe not. And and finally, I fixed my problem with the um, because I still had a problem with the uh, Raspberry Pi three. Mm-hmm. So I fixed it. Uh, I had to fix it by buying a Raspberry Pi four, um, and then the problem yeah. was gone. And I'm using now the Raspberry Pi three as a second device to um, um, to do the smart meter, the electricity electricity yeah. meter to 
record everything to do the uh, influx DB, uh, the Grafana. I'm doing it on that device, first of all. Yeah. And then the other problem I had was remote access. So what I didn't want to do is to switch uh, Home Assistant to HTTPS. Mm -hmm. Because if you switch to HTTPS, um, my son complains because he has an iPhone and I need a certificate. So in that case, uh, right. uh, with a self-signed certificate, an iPhone doesn't yeah, accept it. So I have to produce, or I have to buy one, or I have to produce uh, again, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you could do something like a like a Let's Encrypt certificate or something like that, right? Which is automatically, yeah. you can get it to auto-generate every, whatever, 90 days or 60 days or whatever that is. Yeah. And then do that. But but I don't yeah. want to do it in, on, on my yeah, land. Yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't blame I don't. you. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you for that one. Yeah. And, and the second reason, the other reason is that I cannot stream my cameras anymore to my home assistant. Because they use HTTP. They use HTTP. I cannot do it with HTTPS. So um, interesting, actually. Yeah. That seems like doesn't sound right. There, there should be some way. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's yeah. an extremely complex way of doing it. But, but I, it sounds like that should work, though. Because is it? What, well, what do no, you? Because if it's if you're thinking of it, like, so if you're accessing a HTTPS site and then you're trying to stream a non-HTTPS feed on that page, it will block the non-secure content. Right, from, from, the, from the frame there, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that, that would need your camera to flip to... HTTPS. Uh, HTTPS, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's a low, low, low I mean. budget camera, so... Mm. So it's not going to. No, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Fair. No. Do you, would you recommend the Rayolink cameras that you've got? Definitely. Like, do you think... Definitely, yeah. yeah. They're very good. They're very cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, they cost what? What is it? Uh, Fifty uh, euros uh, a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, but having this um, concierge system, they are already paid back because I got uh, two months ago a fine from the police that I ignored the traffic light in Antwerp, right? Okay. But in Belgium, the government is very, very slow, right? And you get the fine one month later. So one <laughs> right. month later, you think. Did I do this? I don't think I did it, but where was I? Luckily, I still have the had the camera feeds, right? I still had some still images, nice. so I could see my car my car parked on the driveway half an hour before the incident, <laughs> right. and half an hour after the incident on exactly the same spot. So I said to, to the police, "Hey, look, this is my car on my driveway. I cannot be uh, I cannot be the." Uh, <laughs> the committer of the offender, the offender yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And this is the proof. And then they said, yeah, you're right. Okay, you don't have to pay the fine, which was around wow. 200 uh, euros. So. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> wow. So it saved me some, some money already. <laughs> of course. Is your license plate visible in the still images that you took? Or like, was it a side-on view of your car? Like, how did... How would the police know I just sent a photo of a car in a driveway? Like, could be anyone's car. True, but it was, uh, it is my driveway. I mean, yeah. In, indeed, yeah. the license plate was not completely, there was maybe one letter visible. Okay. But that, well, that's good. When they pay, the camera paid for himself. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Although, a bit, bit concerning that they, they issued the fine in the first place out of error or someone cloned your license plate. 
is running uh, around. I guess so. So yeah. 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 That's I like crazy. those good stories though. Like, you know <laughs> that you were able to use Home Assistant to save yourself a fine that you didn't commit. Like and there was your proof. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. But um, I know, I know you, you also mentioned in your email, you were doing some, uh, water detection as well, mm-hmm. um, using Arduino sensors that, that I assume you built yourself. Want to, uh, want to talk about that one for a second? Cause I, 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 I just, that, that's kind of stuff I'm interested in too. So I just genuinely just want to know. Yeah. Um, I'm planning to do that huh, on the Arduino, uh, the water sensors. So, and, and actually there are still also problems. So I have two collectors of water in on, on my house. So one for okay. the rainwater right, that collects the rainwater and that goes then to the mm-hmm. garden and to the uh, for flushing the toilet, right? Okay. And um, there is an, an, a sensor in it to measure. In fact, it's a very dumb sensor to measure low water, right? So it's a float, mm-hmm. right, on on our surface okay. and. If it goes into a vertical position, it gives an alarm into Velbus and obviously yeah. in Home Assistant. And that will send me a push notification. And then I have a second collector um, where the water is collected from um, uh, rooms which are below ground surface, right? So, okay. Uh, where I have a bathroom. But obviously, if I want to drain that water, yeah, um, it goes to a collector, and then there is a pump that pumps it to the higher level and to drain it yeah, to the street. Right. There is also an, a float inside it, but it's the opposite, right? If that goes above a certain level, then I risk a float of my uh, <laughs> my bathroom, of course. Yeah, right. If if the pump is broke for some reason or there is no electricity on the pump itself, so that's a second detection. Now, these floats are not really reliable because they break, already broke too. Oh, wow. Like the actual like stem or whatever, the, the, the floating the, the part float, of the float. The float didn't work anymore. Oh, no. So for the, um, what was it called? Cistern? Huh? For the water collection thing? Mm-hmm. It's fine no? because you're running out of water. I'm okay with that. But for the other one, it's a disaster, right? Yeah. So actually, I'm, uh, I'm looking for an... Um, I'm looking for the detector, a second detector. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, and for the um, rainwater collector, I would like to measure the height or the depth, I must say, just yeah. to see how many uh, water is remaining. I wonder how, are you able to use um, something like a, and, and again, this is where my knowledge of these kind of things start to wither, but if you use something like an ultrasound sensor or something like that, and, and again, I'm not sure how you're catching this water, but whatever whatever vessel it's being stored in, can you use like an ultrasound sensor and and see the level that way? I don't I don't know if that works or not, but I'm that definitely that definitely works on an Arduino because uh, my kid in school tried the project to measure distance with an Arduino. Yeah. But yeah, to be honest, I'm not sure that will work in the um, hostile environment of of an um, a collector where there is yeah where there is um, well everything becomes wet huh, in in that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so I'm I'm not sure maybe it's an option huh? 
Actually, I'd, I'd, I'd love, you know, maybe this is a good chance for, you know, our, some of our listeners, if you're, if you're, you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, I would you know, definitely give, give be interested. Tips. So, uh, so I've yeah. got a, a rainwater tank and I would love to know how much capacity it's got in it, right? So yeah. just to be able to see that in home, this is, you know, 100% full, 0% full. Mm-hmm. I would love, I've definitely seen the ultrasonic sensors that, sorry, or ultrasound sensors that you were talking about, Rohan. Like that's like, yeah one of the basic Arduino projects out there, right? Like you, there's a million yeah. uh, guides on how to do those. But yeah, if there's another more solid solution that's more weatherproof, I guess. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Oh, there might be a project yeah. with, with ESP Home or something like that. Yeah, it. definitely. Yeah, something exactly, yeah. right? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But this is certainly something I want to explore further in, in the future. And um, indeed. Yeah. So if, so if anyone out there knows anything, feel free to shoot us an email and uh, we can uh, definitely pass it on to, to Erwin. Yep. Well, Erwin, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. We're going to leave links to all those GitHub repos that you've created and shared. Also, thank you for doing that, uh, making yeah. them open source and, and sharing them around. Um, yeah, we'll leave links in the show notes. So Erwin, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.